0: Well good morning, isn't that satisfying? I just, I could watch that, I'm gonna watch that again next gathering. you know, I just noticed for the first time, we showed that video last week as well, but when that first domino goes, nothing touches it, it's just like a wind hits it. Man, I watched that just, just like 30 seconds ago, and I was like, man, I pray that the wind of the Holy Spirit would just begin a movement in my life and in my church and my relationships. Uh, and the point of the, the video wasn't really what it was supposed to be that, it's supposed to be that every small decision uh, that you make in your life, every small habit you build eventually turns into a really big impactful life one day if you will just keep uh, faithful at the small things in your life. Small habits form big impacts. Amen? And we're all learning that and growing in that in our lives as well. I was talking with some friends because the world seems kind of shut down. I've been to, have you been to restaurants? And they're all apologizing. Sorry we have half the menu. Sorry we have half the staff. Some of you don't go to restaurants, but I still do, right? And, um, and um, uh, I got a phone call this week. Coffee shop's not going to be open on Sunday morning. There's not enough volunteers. Got another phone call. Kids ministry's going to have a skeleton crew because so many people are sick. And listen, I pray that your faith is as contagious as the Omicron virus is right now. Like, like, like wow, you know? Um, in fact, I was, I was talking to some people this week, and I have friends that are really vulnerable, and I said, I really don't, I don't really want to see you in January, you know, because I want you to be healthy and safe, and if you're in your 90s, it may not be a good place for you, and in fact, I was texting with a friend who's sick, and I said, you know, it's okay, uh, you know, January's kind of kind of a difficult month, and I said, February's not, not honestly not looking real good either, you know, it just kind of, you got to kind of keep your sense of humor at this time, don't you, uh, in life, so um, I was talking with my friends, the 49ers fans before the service, I was like, man, the Seahawks are at home, and the 49ers are going to the NFC Championship game, so I got to eat that today as well well. Uh, Awesome. I hope that in your life that you are developing habits that are helping you to grow, not just grow in, in, you know, financial ways or physical ways or health ways, but listen, that you're growing spiritually because of the habits that you have placed in your life, that these things I will do because I know this will shape my life and direct my life in the right direction. I like the story. In fact, I love the story of the pastor who was riding his bike one day, and he comes across this kid, and his kid's got this lawnmower, and he's looking to do jobs, uh, not having a whole lot of luck with his old lawnmower, and the pastor drives, rides by, and he's got a nice bike and ta- starts talking to the kid, and the pastor gets an idea, and he says, hey, kid, how about I trade you this, this new bike for your old lawnmower? And the kid's like, whoa, and he's like, can I get on and try it? And so he gets on the bike, and he starts riding around. He's like, oh, heck yeah, this is better than my old lawnmower. And so he was like, Pastor, you got a deal. And the pastor says, hold on now. I got to try your lawnmower out to make sure this is going to work for me, too. And so the pastor pulled on the cord of the lawnmower and didn't start. So he pulled on it again, didn't start. He pulled on it a third time, and it didn't start. And he looks over at this kid who's riding his bike, and he said, uh, listen, uh, son, this lawnmower doesn't start. And the boy said, oh, yes, it does, Pastor. You just have to cuss at it. He said, what? He goes, yeah, you got you to swear at it a little bit. You got to cuss at it. And the pastor said, son, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I've been a Christian for a long time. I don't even remember how to cuss. And the boy just rode by and he said, oh, just keep pulling, pastor. It'll come back to you. <laughs> Old habits die hard, right? Wow. Listen, the habits that we form today will shape us Tomorrow. We know that, but sometimes we don't intentionally realize that, like the habits that I'm forming today, like if I uh, eat junk food and watch TV every single night during COVID, those habits might go on after COVID uh, is, is so you know, difficult, right? The habits you form today are going to shape you tomorrow. What we uh, do upon some great occasion, some, somewhere down the road, will probably depend on who we already are, and that'll be the result of, of years of small decisions and disciplines in our lives. <clears throat> I have another uh, lawnmower story for you. My dad was over at my grandma's house. Uh, She's uh, in heaven now, but he was over at her house, and he was trying to help her out with her lawnmower, and he was pulling it, and it wouldn't start. And my grandma was in her 80s at the time, and my dad was pulling this lawnmower, trying to get it to start. And it wouldn't start, and it wouldn't start, and she's behind him, and she leans down to see what he's doing, and he pulls it out and knocks his 80-some-year-old mom down on the ground. (laughs) I mean, you know, and which was terrible at the time, terrible at the time, you know, but, but really funny when we shared about it later, and she laughed about it later, and I just want to let you know today, like, if you haven't drop-kicked a great-grandma, you're probably having a good week, all right? Like, you know, there's worse people in life than you, so give yourself a, a break, all right? Um, some of you have habits for saving for retirement, you, you've developed good eating habits or good exercise habits. Those things are so important in life. Um, you have a habit of putting on your seatbelt. Some of you have a habit of wearing your helmet. Some of you don't have a habit of wearing your seatbelt or your helmets, right? Um, some of you, you, you realize that these small habits are going to make a, a big difference in your life. But what I want to say today is this. Spiritual habits shape the condition of your soul, And you may not be able to see it, but it actually matters more greatly than your finances, your health, your body. Spiritual habits will shape your soul. So the habit of participating in church life, the habit of reading the Bible, the habit of getting paid and giving to God your first and your best offering um, before anyone else, the habit of serving in ministry, these things are so important in our lives. So if you want to subtitle this message, maybe you're taking notes, uh, I was subtitled to this, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Christians or Christ Followers. If you have your Bible book of Acts uh, chapter 2 is where we're going to jump in today or on your device. Acts chapter 2, we're going to go towards the end of the beginning in verse 42, and the, the the setting here, of course, Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He told his followers that, I, that on the third day he would rise again and he's going to give his life. And they were really confused how it was all happening. And he said to them, you're going to do greater things than I've even done. And then the Holy Spirit just blows up in the, in the life of his followers. And we call it the book of Acts. So what happens right after Jesus dies, ascends to heaven, that suddenly the Holy Spirit blows through the meeting of the people of God. And there is a new anointing. There is a new strength, a new power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Let me remind you this. You are constantly praying if you're a follower of Jesus, Lord, I want more of your Holy Spirit in my life. Not less. I want more of your Holy Spirit in my life Uh, because, God, I leak, right? I need more of your vision. I need more of your strength, more of your power in my life. We're always inviting more of the Holy Spirit in our lives because Jesus said you're going to need the Spirit for the world you're going to live in, for the life that you're called to lead. You're going to need the Holy Spirit in your life. And so we encourage that. So Acts chapter 2, the church is alive. Sometimes people call it the birthday of the church or the start of the church, and the church gets together, and the church is just... Just rocking, like people, like hundreds of people are joining the church every day, sometimes thousands. And I want to take you to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, as we begin. And I'll turn there as well, since I'm preaching it. That's probably a good idea. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. It says this, "...all the believers," that's what the church is, is believers, "...devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the uh, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer." So here we go. Number one is this, um, seven habits. First one is this, devote yourself to good teaching. Like these early believers, they're like, we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to hear what what people who are called by God are are, are sharing with us. And so they didn't go, oh, Peter, you're a fisherman. I got nothing I can learn from you, right? And aren't we sometimes guilty that in society? What am I going to learn from you? You're younger than me. What am I going to learn from this person? Like they've only been serving the Lord for six months. Can I tell you something? I've learned a lot of things from people who've only been serving God for six months. In fact, I try to hang around those people because they bring my fire and stoke it back up, right? And so they they were devoting themselves to good teaching uh, in in their lives. Listen, find a church, especially uh, wherever you are, find a church that unapologetically teaches the Bible, Just, just, we're going to teach the Bible. Like, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to teach politics. We're not going to teach your, you know, whatever, your passions. We're going to teach the Bible. Get into a Bible study. Apply the scripture to your life. Ask yourself, how can I apply this message, this teaching to my life? How many times have I been in a gathering, and I'm like, this gathering is about learning how to tithe. Like, I got that when I was like 15, 16 years old. But I'm in a gathering like that, and God speaks to me about forgiving or, or asking forgiveness of my spouse. Or God speaks to me about something that I need to change in my life. Listen, when you are in a place where God's anointed teaching is, God can speak to you about things that don't even relate, but he's there and he's speaking. So sometimes I'm like, it doesn't have to be like the subject that I need to learn from because I know God's moving. I know the Holy Spirit is, is, is speaking and ministering to people, and I want to be part of that in my life. So find those podcasts, those websites, those Bible studies. Get good notes from teaching, take notes in teaching. Um, it doesn't have to be earth shattering, it doesn't have to be new information. C.S. Lewis said, we actually need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed because we know a lot of truth, we're just not living it out. So let's be reminded of those things that are really important in our lives. So are you devoted to Scripture? Are you devoted to good teaching in your life? Are you avoiding bad teaching? A lot of churches, a lot of believers even say this, well, God really wants you to be rich. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be comfortable, and God wants you to be happy. And I've always felt God wants you to be holy more than he wants you to be happy. You know, God wants to get heaven into you so that heaven will be your home. Uh, avoid bad teaching, false teaching. Um, listen, put yourself in places where you can grow. Put yourself in places where God can speak to you and minister to you so you can grow in your life. Um, can we be taught? Can we grow? Can we learn from God? You know, what's interesting is with this month, a lot of us are reading the book of Proverbs, you know, the proverb of the day. And I've always known Proverbs 9, uh, verse 9, and memorizing the NIV. Instruct a wise man and he'll be wiser still. Like, wise people, they can learn from others. And I remember learning that and memorizing that when I was about 20, and I was like, God, I never want to be that person that can't learn, that can't grow. Because, listen, if you think you're wise, but you can't learn from others, you're really not wise. Like, wise people are always learning and shaping, and, and, and they're in their 80s, and they're going, I learned something new today. It's just incredible. Wise people learn from others. So actually in Proverbs, I was just reading it, you know, this month, and I realized there's four of those verses. Uh, If you correct the wise, they will be wiser. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Uh, That's uh, Proverbs 18, 15. It says, Their ears are open for knowledge. If you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. Church, are we hungry to grow spiritually, to learn, uh, to be taught in our lives? Listen, uh, in, in every church, there's someone taking notes, and in, in every church, there's someone zoning out. And I've been both, right? Um, listen, make sure that you devote yourself, like the early church, to good teaching. Number two is this they fellowship together, they eat together. Somebody like eating together. Got it, Pastor. You know, I know how to eat, and I know how to eat with other people, right? Interesting, this verse, they devoted themselves to, uh, to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Um, the NIV says they devoted themselves to breaking bread together. Like, that's what the early church did. They ate together, they laughed together. Listen, they cried together, and they prayed together. I love that word koinonia that you may or may not have heard Koinonia means this, you sincerely know me, and you sincerely care for me, and you sincerely want the best for me, and I sincerely know you, and I sincerely care for you, and I sincerely want the best for you, God's best for you. The early church, man, they lived together. They got together outside of the church gatherings. They spent time with one another. They broke bread together. Um, they had what was then, communion was a little different. It was a meal together. Um, they broke bread together. They, the church was never meant to be a once a week thing. See you next Sunday. See you next Sunday. Like they're, they're, there's life and energy in the church. They do coffee. They do lunch. They visit at home. They have life groups. They email. They text each other. They support each other. Not everybody in a large church, but you have some people that you fellowship with outside of Sunday morning. That's true community. I had a friend say, well, how, do you, how are you doing on community? I was like, well, you know, I got some families and some friends in my life, and, and we go to the same church, and we, uh, we play on the same soccer team with our kids, and we uh, have the same piano lessons, and we go to life group together, youth church together, we uh, share rides together, we share meals together, we get together in each other's homes, we visit each other, we text each other, I said, man, I got community, and I love it. Right? Because I have support, and I get to support others. In fact, the family that brought my family a bunch of food during uh, COVID where we couldn't get out, like brought hot food to our house, I had the privilege of doing that for that same family this week. That's koinonia. That's community. That's fellowship. Fellowship is not a donut after church in the lobby. Fellowship is, I love you, you love me. We care for each other. We really, we really have real relationship. This is sincere, this koinonia So let me ask the question, if community equals care and support and encouragement, and if iron sharpens iron, as the scripture says, then do you have relationships like the early church, people who you eat with and spend time with, and you grow spiritually with? And and if so, why? And if not, why not? It's not always easy. For some of our personalities, it's harder to make that happen. You got to understand that if you're looking at somebody like, why don't you have the same fellowship and relationships that I have? It's not as easy for some people as others. Certainly not during covid like if isolation was a problem before the last two years, it's worse now. So we understand that. Um, but listen, uh, even if that's hard for you, put yourself out there. Get to know other people. Get to know people by name. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe English isn't your first language or maybe you're really shy. Um, I want to encourage you, uh, make those spiritually enriching relationships. It's hard, but it's worth it. It's hard, but it's worth it. Break bread, share life, have koinonia, have fellowship, have community. Let's be like that early church that got together and loved each other throughout their week in their lives. The third thing is this: in that same verse, it says they devoted each other also to they devoted themselves to prayer. They had a habit of praying. Let me just ask you today, because I think most people here today going of go, "I don't know if I have a habit of praying," am I? but I just want to stop and ask you: Do you pray before your meals? Maybe do you pray when you get up in the morning? God, i got a lot of things going on today. I need your help. Do you pray when you see a siren or an emergency vehicle go past? For some of you, you wouldn't give yourself credit for having a habit of prayer, but you do. Do you pray when you read the Bible in your quiet time? Do you stop and say, okay, Lord, show me something. Teach me something. God, uh, I, as I read the Bible today, I just want to dedicate this day to you. Like, you might have a habit of prayer more than you realize you have a habit of prayer. Um, I have a habit of asking God to bless and direct my day in the morning, of praying while I'm driving in the car, turning off the music and spending some time in prayer. I have a habit of praying while I'm reading the Bible and journaling, while I'm shooting baskets in my driveway, while I'm taking a prayer walk at night. Somebody said this, God does little on earth unless people pray. Well, I'm not praying, but I just don't know why God's not moving. You know, and the Bible says, if my people... Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Like, your, your prayer life, your habit of prayer matters. Imagine in the, in the city of Lacey, like, we've got a lot of churches, but not a lot of people that pray. Like, we need people who really will pray, right? By the way, we don't have a lot of churches, right? But we need people who will really pray. And I don't know what your habit of prayer is best for you, or I'm not going to try to tell you how or when, but I just think that we need to develop that habit of prayer. Listen, they devoted themselves to prayer. It's going to be part of my daily life. By the way, when you pray for your food, please don't say, God, thank you for these french fries and cheeseburgers. Make it healthy. Bless our bodies with it. Bless the hands that prepared it. Like It's so funny how we pray. Um, Really what we should be praying and how we were really taught to pray. You know, Jesus taught us how to pray. Uh, is realizing, like, in one of the most important things, Lord, thank you that I have the resources to eat. Thank you for the blessing that I could be at this restaurant, that we can sit down at this table in our house, that we were able to buy groceries. Sometimes somebody will give us a gift card, and Stacy and I be at a restaurant. You know what we always do. Lord, thank you that we get this opportunity just to be the two of us. And God, we pray that you bless the Johnson family, bless them for their kindness in blessing us. Right, Just the thankfulness, the gratefulness that we have, the sustenance in our lives. That we're not out getting up in the morning milking the cows right, and running the farm. But we have the blessing and the wherewithal to eat. So important to have that habit of prayer. Maybe just stop for a moment right now. Maybe a prayer walks or something you want to do. Uh, maybe you want to be that person who's on an email prayer chain with others. What's your habit of prayer? Do you pray well in the car? Do you pray well at night, in the morning? What's your habit? Make it a habit. Don't just go, well, I'll pray when it happens to like, fall into my head. No, you decide when you pray best what those moments and those places are, and then you do that. Some of you, you go work on cars. What a great place to, to work on cars and, and pray. You know, you ride a lawnmower. What do you do? You can pray, right? Maybe you go for a run or a walk. Pray. Make that a habit of prayer. That's what the early church did. Number four is this. They gathered with the church. They gathered with the church. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Each day. We're asking for once a week, people. Come on. What's the problem here? right? They gathered together. They worshiped with other believers. The temple was open for people to gather in open air spots, and so they did, and they worshiped, and, and they grew in the Lord. The quest for spiritual growth, it can't be done alone. They worshiped together. How many times? And I get it. Like, pastor, you know, I know that you're, you know, you, you believe in the local church, and you think that's great and all, but I just like go for walks through the woods, and that's my church, and I understand that's beautiful. I love to worship God and creation and talk to God and, and go outside. I'm just thinking, you know, there's all these verses about like love one another, serve one another, you know, challenge one another. All these one another verses in the Bible. And those verses are kind of hard to do with the chipmunks and the squirrels and the birds, right? Like when the elders are called to lay hands on you, well, that's the bunnies, right? Because we only have rabbits out here. We don't have elders. We we can't we can't tithe or give or serve or you know, we're not gonna make an impact on, on the devastation around the world, like you're not stopping human trafficking when you're out in the woods. Like, we are giving. We are worshiping. We are gathering together. Listen, don't isolate yourself. Uh, and, and by the way, there's always a good excuse to not, to not gather together to worship, isn't there? I like to be like, well, you know what, Pastor, if I feel like it on Sunday when I wake up, I'll come. I'm like, well, I won't see you on Sunday morning, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you have to make it a habit. Some of, the, some of the people that are online with us right now, they're like, oh, it's so frustrating. I've got to pull it up. Then i got to try to figure out how to get it on my TV. And then there's a problem with it or something like that. Like if you watch online every week and you focus in, like I think sometimes that's more difficult than coming live. Like that's impressive. Like that you're just devoted and pressing in like that. Uh, we meet together. I love live worship. There's nothing like it. We meet together to worship the Lord, to magnify God Listen, we're here to magnify God, to worship the Lord. We're not here to magnify the world and make the world's things bigger. No, we're here to understand how big God is. We're here to honor God, and we honor God together. And something happens when the the church gathers together, and we're going to honor God together, all together. There's something that happens there. It's important. So we make it a habit to gather together to worship with the church. I love the story of the man who woke up on a Sunday morning and he began complaining. Why do I got to go to church anyways? He made all kinds of excuses. He was whining to his wife. And finally he said to her, give me two good reasons why I should get up and go to church today. She said, number one, God wants you to. And he said, what's the second one? She goes, number two, you're the pastor. Come on. Right? Like, it's, it's a habit. It's a discipline. There's a sacrifice of praise. And my concern is a lot of people are going to get to end this two, three years, whatever it is, and it's going to be ugly spiritually. It's going to be weak. But I also have a joy that a lot of people who sustained and pressed into gathering with the church during COVID are going to come out of this time spiritually strong. Sustained and strong. Like literally, like we're going we're gonna to turn to each other. Remember those, remember those times we were all in Remember when we were outside? Remember when that was half capacity? Remember when the coffee shop was closed and kids' workers were doing the best that they could? Remember how hard that was? But we didn't give up. We pressed in. We went to our life group. Man, we served in ministry. We gathered together. We got in line. We did whatever we had to do. I think that's going to make us stronger in the end. And if you got to go through hard times, better get stronger when you do. Amen. So they worshiped together. They were committed to worshiping together, to, to serving together um, one another. Listen, don't underestimate the, the value of your presence somewhere. Sometimes it's just being present with someone is so important. And, and can I say this? When you come to a gathering, there's always somebody's life who's falling apart. I, I'm so aware that every Sunday morning, like somebody's coming in. and If you ask them how they're doing this, they're fine. But they got like the worst week of their life. And I love that we get to build each other up, encourage each other, and worship together. And it's a place of hope when we gather to worship the Lord. Number five is this. They choose joy. Man, that early church got together and they chose joy. It says they met in, in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. The NIV says that they gathered together in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They had gladness. They had joy. They they, they chose joy. Listen, a habit of church people, uh, effective Christians, is that they know how to choose joy in difficult circumstances. They chose joy. Listen, if your sins are forgiven, you have a lot to be glad about. Like sometimes I just go, man, this is a rough day. I need to think about all the things that God has brought me through and I need to stop and realize all the stupid things I've said, done, thought that God has forgiven me for. All of a sudden, I'm realizing I have a lot to be thankful for. I have a lot to be joyful about. I get to go to people's houses, people in the hospital, people's houses, and their, their life falling apart. And sometimes I walk in and they have, they have so much joy in their lives. I'm like, this is incredible. I want to be like you when I grow up. It's just amazing. The followers of Jesus, they choose joy. They've learned how to do that. Uh, look, if you're here and you don't consider uh, to yourself to be a Christ follower yet, if you're not there yet, and, and you've met Christians who walk around like their dog just died and they just got done sucking lemons, I apologize for them right now. <laughs> Sister Sourface and Deacon Drydust. That makes me want to. That makes me want to serve God. You know, maybe you, you maybe you've come in contact with someone like, why would I want to be like them? Do you know that like the best advertisement for God is a happy Christian? People who have the joy of the Lord and they go, man. I want what they got. Like, if God's forgiven you, don't forget that. If God's blessed you, don't forget that. Don't take that for granted. Choose joy in your life. This time is a great time to be joyful. And have people go, what's going on with you? You know what? My faith carries me. That's all I got to say. My faith carries me through hard times. Wow. We all have bad days. The guys who wrote the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, man, they had really bad days. And they chose Joy. And their writings challenge us to choose joy also. Listen, if you are not a joyful person, I want to encourage you to seek the Lord for renewed joy in your life. In your life. Number six is this. They praise God. Um, They praise God in their lives. Um, It says, uh, chapter 2, verse 47, While they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, they got together and they praised God. They gave credit to God. They told God who he is. Um, Listen, we praise people. Sometimes we praise our children, and we praise our spouse, and we affirm others. Let's make sure that we don't forget to praise God, the one that is most deserving of our praise. God, you're so big, and you're so forgiving. You're so loving. God, it's just an honor to be here today and and, and get to worship you. God, I want you to know how great I think that you are. Because I'm not worshiping because it makes me feel good. I'm worshiping today because I want to honor you. I want to bless your heart. I want to encourage your spirit. Listen, take time to honor God. The early church did that. Show the one that made you that you know that you're not his equal. God, you're bigger than me. I love that illustration. When kids come up to you and they're little and they come up to you and they raise their hands and pick me up, man, sometimes when we're raising our hands in church, it's like, you're bigger than me. I need your help. God, pick me up. Help me. I recognize that we're not equal. Sometimes humans walk around like, God, either we're equal or I'm even more important than you. And I think it's so important when we come into understanding of our sinfulness And the depravity of our souls and our behavior, how easy it is for us to sin. We've all sinned. That we come to God and go, I am so grateful. You created me. You died for me. You forgive me again and again and again. Lord, I need you. I need your help. Would you pick me up? Would you strengthen me today? They were always praising God. And finally, number seven, and I want to give this one a little bit of time if I can. Uh, Listen, they were enthusiastic the early church was enthusiastic now i grab six things from chapter 2 but almost every time i preach on the and ba- the second half of chapter 2 i roll it into 3 Because what happens to this church as they spend time worshiping together, as they spend time in each other's homes and they're eating together and they're crying about their struggles and they're laughing about funny things that happen in their life and they're encouraging each other and they're bringing food to each other's houses when they're sick, right? And all this fellowship and all this koinoni and these relationships and they're praising God, what happens is, is that they have this something to offer the world, And if you have your Bible with you, chapter 3 of of the book of Acts says this. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part uh, in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth. You probably don't get that. Because you can't even understand what it's like to be lame from birth, especially 2,000 years ago. Peter and John are going to the temple, as they did all the time, because that's what you do when you're a believer. You gather together and worship. And as they approach the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate. Can you imagine that when you want to go somewhere and you're a 40-year-old man, that you have to say, hey, guys, will you pick me up? And will you carry me to the gate? Because people are going to worship and they might give me money if you set me down just outside the temple. 40 year old man and you need people to pick you up and carry you drop you down so that you can beg and ask people for their help and then when you need to go to the bathroom you need to get somebody to come pick you up and take you somewhere where you can use the restroom and come back and drop you again and at the end of your eight nine ten hour day of begging then they come pick you up and take you home there's no wheelchair there's no power chair there's no crutches none of that what a life this is for this guy I mean, I have compassion in people in that situation today. I think, how awful would it be to, and I don't know if it's worse if you never could walk, if you never had mobility, or, or maybe it's better if you knew, didn't know what you're missing. I don't know. But man, this guy's life is rough. Each day he's put down, he's carried, and he's put down there so he can beg. And he's put beside the temple gate so he could beg from the people. Verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter and John looked at him intently, and they said, look at us. In verse 5, the layman looked at them and eagerly expected some money. All right. But Peter said to him, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. Have you ever had anybody come up to you and ask you for money? One day, this kid skateboarding came up to me, and I just read this verse, and I was so tempted to say, listen, kid, I don't have any silver or gold, but I got something better, right? <laughs> this kid on a skateboard, he was already like, eh, you're kind of a weird guy, Right. Listen, uh, I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, get up and walk. And verse 7, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. I know muscles atrophy, but the muscles never worked in this man because they were never there before. It's amazing to me to go out like God just took care of the atrophy and the muscles worked again, but they never even worked the first time. This is like only God could do this miracle. Couldn't stand up. Certainly couldn't walk a step. And this is the part that I love so much. Verse 8, he jumped up, this man who was a beggar, 40-year-old man. He jumped up and began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the, the temple with them. Walking and jumping and leaping. Listen, when you've been a beggar your whole life, you're probably a little eccentric in those days, right? And he's like, man, I am healed, I am whole. Like, and he's just running and trying out his legs. He's jumping, he's leaping, he's telling everybody about what just happened. Pointing people back to Peter and John who have to stop and say, oh, whoa, whoa, this is about the Lord, it's not about us. Listen, be enthusiastic. Can you imagine if he's like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Now I'll walk quietly home. You know, like, how do you, how do you not have, like, some of us, we get touched by God, and we don't even share with anybody. It's like, this guy's received a radical, like, tell your story of when God most impacted your life. Tell your salvation story when you gave your life to Christ. Tell the stories when God met you at your worst. Tell those stories. My stories. You know our my stories are backed up right now. Like we don't have enough people sharing their story because everybody's just kind of so hesitant. Some of you got a story to tell. And our people who are trying to pull those my stories together, they want to get in contact with you. Tell your story. Tell what Jesus did. Have that enthusiasm in your life. You're not going to like be radically healed. You're not going to be saved from all your sins. Just go, well, just another good day. Go to bed tonight. That's a great day. Your sins are forgiven. God spoke to you in your life. Listen, be enthusiastic like this guy. Listen, I know people at Costco who give away like demonstration food, and they're more enthusiastic about the mini corn dogs they're giving away than you are about your faith. They're like, look, today they're on sale. They're in the aisle behind me. These things are amazing. You've got to try these things. I was like, man, I know people that like, don't even get as excited, excited about God as you are about the mini corn dogs here right now. Like, be enthusiastic. Don't you love enthusiastic people? Man, I love it. People that walk, if this is you, I already love you. If you walk out of the parking lot and you look down, you go, a nickel. I'm like, you're my kind of person, right? Like, wow, I got a nickel. Like, just get enthusiastic about the little things in life. Just be joyful in your life. Peter and John. These guys were looking to be used by God. I can't possibly preach this scripture without just saying something that I think is so important. Um, When Peter and John, they lived their life with their antenna up. All right, some people just do what I did yesterday. During COVID, man, you just survive, especially if you have it. You just. Same chair, same place. It's, it's rough, right? But Peter and John, they lived their lives a little differently. They're believers like you and me, and you can do the same thing they did. They lived their life with their antenna up, seeking the Holy Spirit. There's something going on in the radio waves that the Holy Spirit's up to something today. And they, they ask these, I think, two really important questions, and I've tried to make this part of my life. Here's the two questions. I want to make sure you get this. Um, what is the Holy Spirit up to today, and how can I be a part of it? I think right now somewhere uh, in Fred Meyer, the Holy Spirit's probably moving. And there's probably a believer somewhere in the store who's like, you know, I'm here to get my groceries, but I'm also here to be used by God. If I see somebody who's crying, I might just go over there and say, "Hey, can I pray for you?" Right here, buy the corn on the cob, you know, whatever. There, like some people, they just they just they're just looking to be used by God. Peter and John, how many times have they walk past this guy? It's, it's, they've seen him before. But they walk past and go, I don't know if it's Peter or I don't know if it's John. And one of them just kind of goes, whoa, I think the Lord wants to touch this guy today. Hey, can I have some money? No, no. I think there's something more important going on here than giving you money so you can get through today. I think God wants to touch your life. Can we be those kind of people that are just like, Holy Spirit, whatever you're doing, I want to be part of it. I want to have divine stories. I want to seize my divine moments. I want to get to the end of my life and have memorable memorable things that God did in and through me in my life. Enthusiasm. By the way, when they began to say, man, you like these guys are so impressive, Peter and John, I want to remind you in in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this, and people began to kind of argue over these cool humans, right? He said this, I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Listen, you are never going to heal someone by praying for them. God is going to heal 100% of the time. It is never your job to heal. Your job is to pray. Can you pray? Then you pray. You do your job. When we get to heaven, we'll find out why some people were touched by God and healed by God, turned to God, and some people didn't. But your job is to pray and let him do the healing because he does that. That's what he does well. Let's be a people of enthusiasm. So let me give you those seven habits. Do we have them all on one screen? If we did, it would be great. In fact, if you have your phone out, you might want to take a picture of this next screen if we have it. There it is. Let's just walk through this because maybe God has one for you today, or maybe there's several. Seven habits of people who are effectively Christ followers following after him. Here's the first one. We need to devote ourselves to good teaching. If you're like, I don't ever take notes. I don't remember anything about any sermon like five minutes later. Like I don't get together with a life group or people in a class or, you know, sit under some men. Get on YouTube, whatever you gotta do, devote yourself to good godly teaching. Number two, devote yourself to the fellowship, eating together, that real community, that real, you know, eating and laughing and crying and building those relationships, that koinonia. Let's make sure we have that. Number three, devote yourself to prayer. What's your habit of prayer? What's your new habit of prayer? In your life? When do you pray? They gather together with the church. They make that a priority and a habit, not a if I feel like it. Number five, they choose joy. They choose joy. Six, they praise God. And number seven, they are enthusiastic about their faith. And and listen, maybe today you're like, I don't choose joy. I'm not, I'm not practicing enthusiasm in my faith. Pastor, I'm just trying to get through the day. We all understand. But let's make this part of our lives. Let's be like the early church. Let's don't get stale. Let's do not get stuck. Let's be alive. Let's be growing. Let's be learning. And you know, my friend Pete Bowders in his 90s, I always point to him, and someday he'll be in heaven. Hopefully, I'll still be teaching. I'm gonna pick one of you. Say, hey, I got this friend, she's in her 80s, and she's still learning. She's still growing. She's still asking God to move in her life. Let's be those people. Would you bow your heads with me here and maybe online as well? <sighs> Lord, today we turn to you. And God, in this moment, we're asking you. Lord, is. Is there a habit I need to develop in my life to make sure that I'm effective and I'm growing? I don't have that kind of community that Pastor Peter is talking about, but I want it. God, I haven't had a a consistent prayer life. I haven't developed those habits where I just pray at these moments, but I want to. I don't want to be random about my prayer life or my gathering with the church. Lord, I want to have the habit of praising you in my life, and and certainly not just on Sunday morning. Lord, show me how to live for you and honor you and serve you every day of every week. Lord, in this gathering, I pray for those who are worn out. And I just pray, God, renew joy. Lord, for that person who's just the grind has almost steamrolled the life out of them, the energy out of them, the faith, the infectious, the enthusiastic faith, God, it's just not the same as it once was. And I pray, God, that that person would change today. And they would keep in step with your Holy Spirit, looking for opportunities to be used by you. And Lord, I pray, God, that when this season of life is done, that we could point back to moments where we understand that God used us. And even more importantly, God, when this life is coming to an end for us, if we happen to get a chance to look back, I pray, God, that there would be memorable God moments, the fingerprints of God all over our decisions, our habits, our relationships, even talking with strangers, even signing up for something, saying, I don't even know why I'm joining. I don't even know why I'm going. But I just feel inspired to do this. Lord, lead our lives. In church, I would be remiss to preach on habits for two weeks and not stop and just give you a moment. This week, maybe last week, is there a new habit that God is forming in your life? Is there something that needs to start? Would you commit to it? Would you name it? And would you commit to it? Not like if you mess up once in a while, you know, God, God's going to you know, strike you. Just, Lord, I, I know there's a new habit, and I want to begin working that into my life. Or maybe you're like, no, no, it's not just I want to, I will, I am. This is important to me. And I feel like God's whispering to me, this is the habit I want you to start. Could you name that? And would you commit to that? Before we go today, I just want to invite you, maybe if you're not following Jesus, and you want to renew your commitment to the Lord, or you just want to say, God, I am a sinner, and I know I need your forgiveness. And I want to start... Fresh in you, and I want to really start growing spirits in you. If that's you, we just raise your hand really high. We're going to pray in just a moment and then we're going to slip out. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else want to join these six? Thank you. I just need a fresh start in you, God. All right, let's pray. Lord, blow the wind of your spirit into our lives. And God, establish small habits. First of all, God, that we might invite you and serve you and live for you and honor you. And that you might forgive us. And Lord, as we follow after you, Lord, let our lives be like dominoes falling. More and more of an impact. And God, before this life is over for us, before we stand before you, Lord, let us make a great impact. Lord, if we're supposed to write a book, if we're supposed to lead a grandkid to really know how to hear your voice and and walk with you, God, if there's something great that you want to use us for, then let these daily habits lead to greatness. God, for those who are in their retirement years, let these be the best years of spiritual growth in his or her life. And God, don't let us wait till we feel like doing the right thing. Teach us, Lord, how to choose to do what's right instead of waiting for the feelings. God, thank you for your presence here today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Man, God bless you. Thanks so much for being here today. Good days are ahead for you for the family of God, all right? Be a blessing to someone. Encourage someone. uh, Build somebody up before you go, all right? Have a great day in the Lord.